Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps.
Good morning. This morning, we're going to kind of go back a little ways, a couple thousand years, and we're going to look through a little window, if it, as it were, of another culture and look at that very problem in the home of two sisters, Mary and Martha. As you probably recall, as this sort of this drama that, that is Mary and Martha unfolds, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And in a way that really is maybe hard for some of us to fathom, he's knowingly on his way to his own death. A few miles before he gets there, though, he stops at, at the home of Mary and Martha, and he stops there because he's hungry. But he's not necessarily hungry for something to eat. He's hungry for somebody to listen to what he has to say. I've got to tell you one more time before I go. He's hungry for somebody to listen. Someone who's going to understand. Somebody who's going to feel something of the heaviness that he's carrying with him as he's making that march to Jerusalem. Yeah, he's hungry. But not for food. Perhaps you guys are here this morning to worship and, and maybe you're hungry, but hungry to spend time with the Lord. Hungry to worship Him. Hungry to be spiritually fed. Let's pray. Father God, we spend so much time doing your work because it's, it's in your scriptures that tells us to do so. Get busy. You told us that so many times. And as we fire up our hearts for you, Lord, help that flame to stay bright and warm as those who see us see you. And Father, as we get busy doing your work, help us to maintain perspective that occasionally, sometimes it's time to back up. And as your scripture tells us, wait upon the Lord and renew our strength. And now, Father, as we do just that, wake up our hearts and alert us to the words that you've inspired for us to hear this morning, that it might make a difference in our lives. For it's in your name that we ask. Is Jesus tired? Is that why he comes to this house? Is he hungry? If so, for what? For food? Or is he hungry for something else? Something that maybe the crowds and his disciples can't give him. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Martha goes to the kitchen to prepare that dinner, leaving Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. What words he is aching to say, not just to Mary, but to both of them. What words he is aching to hear, not just from Mary, but from both of them. Only one of them pauses. Only one of them sees the hunger of his soul. And it's not Martha. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has allowed me to do work by myself? Tell her to help me. Can you hear in her question not just the irritation, but the indictment? Lord, don't you care? But her wrath is met with a gentle answer. There is great tenderness in Jesus' reply. Can you hear it? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better for 
When we're slaving away in some kitchen where the pots and the pans are clanging, it's hard to hear the voice. But when we're at his feet and our heart is still, we can hear him even when he whispers.
As we move towards Easter, we're reminded that Jesus will be lifted high on Calvary. May he be lifted high in our lives. The words spoken to uh, Martha are words spoken to the Martha in me, the Martha in you as well. But um, what were those words of our Savior correcting? It was her worry, not her work. It was her being upset, not being under pressure. The issue wasn't her preparations, it was her distractions. There was no solitude in the heart of Martha, only a bad attitude. Let's pray. Lord, this morning I thank you for Martha because she teaches us about ourselves, about the human condition. Lord, when my attitude starts to wobble, help me to see that I've become distracted too. But Lord, often I don't realize how much I'm distracted until I start to get upset, heated. Like Martha, sometimes I get frustrated, irritated, angry, and sometimes downright stomping mad. And I just want to tell someone off. I know my attitude has changed when the meal I'm preparing becomes more important than the people I'm preparing it for, when my work becomes more important than the family I'm working for, when a point I'm making becomes more important than the person I'm making it to, when I lose my sense of the sacredness of another human being, especially the human beings closest to me, the ones in my family. Lord, we want you to be lifted up in our lives. We want to live in a way so that we don't lose sight of what's important or lose sight of the sacredness of others. Help us to do this, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
you've been given the 
awesome task of removing nine cats from a house. How would you go about doing that? You can't kill them. Okay? You, have to, you can't get a dog in there to chase them out. You have to get them out yourself. I had an experience kind of opposite of that this summer when we stopped by the uh, Katrina and uh, Brian Goodwills. Um, I actually opened the door early in the morning and the cats got out. I think it's hard getting cats out of a house, trying to get them back in is even harder, but that's another story. Dr. Roger Berkman, a Houston psychologist, has developed a personality profile that suggests that there are four basic personality styles. And let's see how each of those might approach this undertaking. The first type is the autocratic doer. This person would simply take charge and yell, scat, and attempt to, um, to run the cats out of the house. And if the cats didn't listen, they'd be in big trouble. The second type is the detailed planner. This person would first write out a purpose statement, probably make a flow chart, and then he would carefully number each of the cats, one through nine, and then make nine corresponding neat holes in the, um, in the door of the house. And then the plan would be like this. Cat one will go out through a hole one, and cat two through hole two, and cat three will go out through hole three. And if um, cat four ran out hole number one, then he'd have to go outside, get that cat bring it back inside until he could get it to go out the proper hole. The third type is the enthusiastic salesperson. He would say, no problem, and would simply open all the doors and windows, get some warm milk and some cat food, take it out on the porch, and uh, just call, kitty, 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 come here, kitty. And he would... um, Through his persuasion, he would convince the cats that they would be much better off outside anyway. Then finally, there is the artistic, poetic philosopher. He would simply put on some music and meditate on the assignment. After about half a day, he would say, what am I worrying about cats for anyway? And he'd go off for a walk and enjoy the clouds or something. You know, as I describe these personality types, I see some of your faces. I see names, and I, 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 um, it'd just be so much easier to put a face up there and everyone go, oh, okay, that's what he means. But, you know, that'd be kind of dangerous. So I'll let you come up with your own name and face to each of these descriptions. But I wonder, where would you place yourself in these categories? It isn't that uh, one style is, is better than another style, but to say that we're all very different in how we approach life. Of course, some of us are more different than others, but that's another sermon. And you know, sometimes our differences can get on each other's nerves. You ever experienced that before? In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, Paul points out that God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. All different kinds of people 
with different talents building the kingdom of God up. God knows that we are different. He made us that way, didn't he? No surprise to him. We each have different things to accomplish. Some of us are action-oriented people, while others of us are more pensive and thoughtful. Some are artistic, and some of us are even autocratic. Some of us are loud. Some of us are kind of quiet. (laughs) Oh, that hurt. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. With this as a backdrop, let's um, look at today's scripture passage, Luke 10, 38 through 42. Your assignment now isn't to get cats out of the house. Forget about that, okay? But I want you to see if you can figure out the personality styles of Mary and Martha and, and kind of examine how those personality styles interact in this story. Here's the situation. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he will be crucified. But as he nears the city, he stops at the home of Mary and Martha. All morning long, Martha has been sweeping, scrubbing, dusting, darting in and out of the kitchen, frantically preparing the food and putting the place in order for this very special occasion. Every moment is precious. Let's read that passage again. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Martha was busy, busy making preparations when Jesus arrives, so Mary takes over as the hostess. She welcomes Jesus and the disciples, ushers them into the living room and sits at his feet and just kind of drinks in every word that he has to say. It's good to have him here. It's good to hear his voice again. It's good just to be in the Lord's presence. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, Martha is slaving away, preparing the meal, polishing the silverware, folding napkins into the shape of birds, cutting up the, um, the vegetables to look like tropical flowers, You know, basically doing a million things at once. But there's a problem. It's not that Martha is organized. It's not that she's hardworking. Rather, it's what's going on inside of her. She's seething. Her indignation mounts. She's getting more and more aggravated, more and more frustrated. She feels more and more put upon, more and more stressed out. And where's Mary? Why isn't she in here helping me? Who does she think she is sitting in there with our guests, leaving all the work for me? You ever been there? (laughs) 
Finally, uh, Martha cannot contain herself any longer, and she makes a scene. Have you ever been in a scene before? She interrupts Jesus and complains, Lord, look at this. I'm having to do all the work here. Don't you care that my sister Mary has left me to serve alone? Would you please straighten her out and tell her to help me? I can just feel the room go silent with tension hanging in the air. Then Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, don't be so worried, troubled about so many things. Relax. Lighten up. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. And amazingly, that's it. Jesus returns to his conversation. Martha is left standing there with um, no offer to help. According to the text, it's Martha who invited Jesus over. She worked her fingers to the bone while Mary seized the moment just to be with Jesus. But Jesus rebukes Martha and says nothing to Mary. Why? I mean, if both styles are legitimate, why does Martha get rebuked while Mary kind of gets a pass? Even the Lord's endorsement on what she's doing. It's really easy to side with Martha, isn't it? Didn't Jesus appreciate Martha's intense desire for a job well done? Doesn't he think the artistic, poetic, philosopher types are, um, does he think they're better somehow than detailed planners, people who, who do that work? Not at all. It wasn't their differing styles that Jesus reacted to, but it was what was in their hearts. When Jesus looked at Martha that day in that emotional scene, he saw red flags going up. He saw destructive attitudes that, if left unchecked, would harm Martha. Not just Mary and the people around her, but Martha. Let's be very clear. Jesus loved both Mary and Martha equally. They were good friends. But in that day, in that uh, situation, He saw in Martha some hurtful attitudes that were working in her like a a spiritual poison. And in love, he, he revealed those. He allowed those to be visible. When Jesus looked at Martha that day, he saw deep down inside of Martha a dangerous attitude of resentment. Resentment is terribly destructive to our spiritual lives and Jesus knew that very well and he was concerned to see that kind of an attitude in his friend Martha. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked repeatedly about the dangers of resentment. He said in effect, beware of resentment, it's dangerous. Beware of brooding anger. Beware of resentful gossip. Beware of a contemptuous, resentful tone and attitude. Martha's frame of mind is described in these verses as distracted, anxious, and troubled. And that is a good description of what resentment does to us. It steals 
our joy, our sense of peace, and it steals our blessing. And worse, resentment can cut us off from other people and even from God. Martha's resentment cut her off not only from her sister, Mary, but also from the Lord, the Lord she was seeking to serve. That's what resentment does. It it separates. It separates us from people and it separates us from God. So what is Jesus saying? Simply this, beware of resentment. It can absolutely devastate your soul. It can can age into a terrible bitterness that that leaves you a, a miserable person. Martha's downfall was her own narrow perspective. Martha thought her way was the only way, and she wanted to force her way on Mary. Martha tried to use guilt to get Mary to help her. She tried to make herself look good by making Mary look bad, and it boomeranged. Isn't that true that our harsh, condemning judgments will eventually come back to haunt us? When we're unkind to others, we're the ones who end up looking bad. In the Mary and Martha story, Jesus teaches us a lesson about our inner attitudes. Beware of resentment. Beware of narrowness. And beware of unkindness. Choose instead the way of grace, the way of love, the way of compassion. I think it's very important that we we learn to know ourselves, what makes us tick. And some of these personality tests out there can can help you to understand yourself better, like this one Dr. Berkman has created. It's also good to understand what makes other people tick. Understanding these things can help us um, get along better, and this can advance the work of the kingdom. When Jesus rebuked Martha, He wasn't concerned about what she was doing outwardly so much as what was going on inwardly, in her inner person, in her attitudes. He understood her innermost motives. He could see right down into the inner recesses of her soul. And I want you to know the same is true today. He knows what makes us tick. He knows why we do what we do, even when we don't understand why we do what we do. It's a good reason to get close to Jesus. It's a good reason to sit at His feet and to stay close to Him. Especially when we're busy. You know, if we would just slow down for a minute, humble ourselves and listen to Him, even when He corrects us, Jesus will help us understand ourselves and others better. And we can use that knowledge to build unity in the church and to further the work of the kingdom of God. I'm blessed by um, the sense of unity here at the Flint Citadel, how folks um, pull together how people rally around a need and a cause doesn't mean we don't have conflicts and, and there aren't times maybe when our personalities clash. But, but the encouragement here is um, do not let that fester. Do not let that um, ferment. 
into a bitterness that becomes a cancer that causes division. God can't bless that. We need Marthas, people who know how to organize and how to execute a plan. We need Marys, people who form deep relationships and like to share the moment. They just enjoy the moment. We need those who are creative and artistic. They help us express our love for the Lord in worship by playing music, by creating multimedia, uh, by helping to put together worship so that maybe those of us who aren't as gifted can, can experience through them. We need people who can um, care for others. And, and, and when we come together, uh, we have a great force for helping a hurting world. That's our job, to show God's love to this hurting world. How much time and energy we can waste trying to manipulate one another instead of utilizing the unique gifts that God has distributed among us. This morning, it's my prayer that we will learn to appreciate the different talents and gifts, personalities, and perspectives that God has distributed among us. And God has been generous. He has supplied us with all that we need for um, uh, functioning in the body of Christ. And if we need to be corrected, if, if you need to be corrected today, then I pray that um, he'll do that as well. Every now and then, some of us need an attitude check. Some of us need to get connected back with the Lord, spend time with Him. And then together, uh, we can refocus ourselves on the work God has for us to do. It's my prayer that God would bless you as you consider these things. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your... Um, firmness and yet your love. Lord, so often when we try to be firm, it comes across as harsh, uncaring. And yet, Lord, uh, you teach us that um, firmness, when done in love, is a, is a blessing. I thank you, Lord, that you blessed Martha that day, even though she probably didn't feel blessed at the moment. Because, Lord, you uh, revealed to her a need to... Um, Focus on what was really important. That was the fact that you were there wanting to share life. Father, I pray that we would learn that lesson as well. That, Lord, we would learn and continue to learn to, um, to work together as a body to take the gospel to this community, to the people we work with, the people we um, associate with, people we go to school with. Lord, I pray that there wouldn't arise within us any sense of division, competition, or um, a bad feeling. But Lord, uh, that we would quickly resolve those things. I thank you, Lord, that on this journey to the cross, though you had so many other things on your mind, that you took the time to care about Martha. And Lord, I just um, give you the praise that you still care today. 
So, Lord, might your Holy Spirit speak and do your work in our own lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we'll sing this uh, through together once, and then uh, the second time, the, this half of the congregation will start it out, and then you guys will come in a couple of measures later. So you, this half, you read this screen, and this half, you read that screen. There we go, okay? Okay. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, amen. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptation of my sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, O This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Thursley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.